millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I've got a new beer, guys. You're joking, aren't you? Eh? You've got a new beer? Elliot's got a new beer. What's it like? Great. I got eight free beers from our friends at Beer 52 and an extra two for being a Borough Breakdown listener. I don't believe you. No, I'm serious. They're the world's largest craft beer club with beers from all over the world. You're joining the monthly club but can cancel at any time. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough to get your free case now with a four ninety five postage. What? So all you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough and get a free case and only pay for the packaging. Yeah, that's it, mate. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for that's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Neil Warnock podcast, uh, live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast app. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, it's the Borough Breakdown podcast, and I'm with Dana and Elliot, but Borough have just won at Stoke. Goals from Fletcher and Tav uh, sealed the win at the Britannia, or the Bet365, however you want to say it is, to give Neil Warnock his first win as Borough boss, the first manager since Brian Robson uh, to win his first game in charge in 1994, so 16 years later, about nine, ten managers later, it's actually happened again. Um, but Dana, I'm going to start with start off with you. Um, six changes to the side that lost against Swansea. Um, a tweak in formation as well. It did look like a 4-2-3-1, really, or a, a mixture of 4-4-2 as well. It was quite a unique shape Borough play today. Um, but also we've seen Johnson going at left back, Housen going to midfield uh, for the first time this season. Uh, George Friend went centre-back, Savile, Johnson, Britt, Fletcher, Roberts and Spence all came in at the side. Um, but the question is, how impressed were you with the, with the performance today? No, it was a good performance. Um, people will say that Stoke were awful, and yes, they were, but I don't think we should use that as a way to discredit Borough. I think we were, you know, in the first half, we were fluid up front, um, much more organised. You could tell that the players knew what jobs they had to do, which was obviously different to under Jonathan Woodgate, where I think... It was very much just clueless, really, all round. Um, you know, we were winning second balls, we were working it down the channels, uh, and most importantly, they were fighting, and I saw that today. There's a couple of instances where it sparked a reaction out of me where, you know, they were going in for 50-50s, and 
I don't think we really saw that under Woodgate, and I alluded to it last week. And you'll, I know you have a question about this, so we'll get on to it more later. But um, it, it was a, a much better performance, much better commitment, and a, a much needed win as well, especially with the results earlier with uh, Charlton and Luton both winning. So, yeah, good performance and a good result. Yeah, and you mentioned that the NLC, the Borough playing five and ten yards up further up the pitch. The tackles looked more intent, uh, more intentful. They were winning the second balls. They were winning the second headers. There was a good shape. There was a good intensity about us as well, which I thought was uh, really good. But Els, there's a question here from Tom Peacock, and he asked, um, how do you think Warnock got that performance out of the team? Um, I think this week he, he probably you know, absolutely drilled them, really, um, out there on the training pitch. He hasn't had many days with them, um, but you can see in the short space of time he, he's put across what he wants them to do. Um, yeah, we were probably very organised. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was clear what we were, we were trying to do. And I think, to an extent, we did it well. You, you can't complain with um, a 2-0 win. You haven't, you know, you've got a clean sheet. Um, and two of your players have scored. Gives them a bit of confidence. Um, second win since New Year's Day. Um, so, very good. So, obviously, with that in mind, um, the two goals today... We've done the double over Stoke now, um, and we've done back-to-back wins away from home um, against relegation rivals such as Charlton and now Stoke as well. Um, Dan, how how big of a, a confidence boost do you think that is for Borough in this relegation fight? Oh, it's massive because obviously we need to we need to beat the teams in and around us particularly, and like I said, it was a massive game for us today. A, a draw for me wouldn't have been good enough. We needed to win the game, and the fact that we came out of, of this game with a win and a good performance as well to match that is you know obviously brilliant but also because it was Neil Warnock's first game you want to hit the ground running under a new manager and really impress him and uh, I think I think they did that and um, there was some really strong individual performances out there as well I think Savile for me was mm. was man of the match Britt was excellent as well Sianovic saved the day um, with his crown jewels so you know, it was it was a good good performance and um, promising signs. Yes, yeah, so, so a good save by the crown jewels for Stjanovic as well. Um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't want children any more children. Jesus Christ, um, that one over there. Um, but in terms of the <laughs> people who impress you, Els, um, appreciate Stjanovic's crown jewels might be up there as well. But um, is there anyone else that impressed you today? Because, like Dana mentioned, there were some really good performances today. Savile, I agree, Savile was fantastic today. Um, I thought British on the long was tremendous. He held the ball up well. He put, he kept it in the corner when he needed to. He was strong when he had to. I thought Howson was excellent in there. Spence, just to, just to name a few players, I think that might help you out with your answer. But mm. um, is there anyone else that fully and well was actually your man of the match or impressed you a lot? Um, I think out of the names you mentioned, I'd probably have to, I'd probably have to say the two strikers. Um, just for, I think, I think as you mentioned with with the Sumbalonga, they held the ball up really well. Um, obviously what, um, Neil Warnock wants, and we obviously touched on it last week, is he wants, we all know his, his style of play, and he he wants that from his forwards to kind of hold up the ball, um, be very aggressive. We're going to kind of. Um, kick it long, chase down, put balls into the channels, and and try and cause problems. It's, it's you know the rhetoric of exactly what Maddo was saying um, all throughout the match, pretty much. And I thought both of them did it, um, did the jobs very well. Um, Spence as well, 
I was a little bit worried, and I, I still kind of am, um, with how open he can leave himself. Um, but he was contributing in the attack a lot. Um, and I, I think possibly um, he he's better at attacking than defending. Um, there was a particular moment in defence where the ball came over and he, he kind of just he wasn't best place to deal with it. He didn't know that to, that he could have got it away. Um, and it resulted in a chance for Stoke. Um but yeah, I think probably them three standout performers for me. Mm. I was I want to chat about the game just a, just a little bit more. I was going to probably chat about more of the intensity of, of of the play as well, um, and how well Borough managed the game in in, in general. I think this year we've been very prone to throw games away, let teams come into it, not slow the game down when we need to. And what we think what we did really well today was when we got the chance. When we, well, especially when we scored as well, we scored well, that great header from Fletch. We got the ball, we slowed the game down, we tried to stop Stoke from getting the ball out uh, from the centre halves uh, to the wings. And what else? What I was really impressed with, and it's just a, it's a minor detail, but I think it, it went a long way in this game. Was when Stoke tried to play things quicker or try to take a quick throw, we stopped it quite quickly and we reset. We got back in formation. We got very well drilled today, and I think. That was massive for the performance in the early second in the second half when you know when they should have really scored two or three. They had, they had some really good chances today, Hull. And what we did, even when they were starting to pile the pressure, we tried to slow the game down, keep ourselves in formation, and we'll probably see that quite a lot um, under Neil Warnock. And we did see a, a little bit like that under Tony Pierce as well with the set pieces and stuff like that. And I think it's just really good game management. And I think under what under what get, I don't think we did that. Um, but in terms of it comes kind of it comes nice to the, the next question, um, to be honest. And although game management was good, and although we've got the three points today, and although it was a, a brilliant performance, um, Neil, uh, sorry, Neil, Neil, Liam, uh, <laughs> my dyslexia strikes again, doesn't it? It's just uh, Liam Holmes uh, sent the question <laughs> in. Um, a brilliant result today, um, but should we be worried about the defensive, uh, the defensive wor- uh, issues? And I think what he means by that is Stoke had a, a lot of good chances today. They um, did. So, Dana, should we be a little bit worried by that, or should we just say it's kind of the first time we've been, you know, under Neil Warnock, we'll probably get a little bit better at it? I mean, to be fair, it's been a, a pattern throughout the whole of the season, and I think if there's ever a manager that's best placed to sort that out, it's Neil Warnock because he's got the experience of, of doing so. I wouldn't be overly worried, more so than usual, because he's only been in in place since Tuesday, and I think he's done incredibly well in a short space of time to to get the basics right, like you like you detailed there. So if this continues, then obviously it is a massive worry. But I think for now, although it is an issue, and it should be highlighted as such, I don't think it's more of a worry than than it was before and and yeah like I mentioned Neil Warnock will, will hopefully drill that out of them and I mean a lot of it came from the inexperience of, of Spence particularly in that second half like you mentioned so if I don't know say for example if Shotton's there or if Housen's there I think I'd like to hope and I know that you know coming off the back of the, the Swansea game um, probably not the case but I'd like to hope that the more experienced players would deal with with that a, a little bit better but I don't think it's a a huge huge worry um beyond what it already was okay um 
I'll just uh, one final one about the game today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we move, it's more like a Woodgate question. Obviously, there was no Coulson today at all um, due to injury, and and Johnson came in. Um, we are happy with with Johnson's performance today. Appreciate he's been linked um, a move to Bulgaria. Um, do you think his, his professionalism was probably like it should be should be credited really because you know we've seen likes of Ayala, obviously Gested's not playing now, and do you think he should be accredited for that? Yeah, definitely. I think anyone who who you know gives to a cause when they have no affiliation to the, the sort of the geographical area um, has to be credited. I guess it you know it's the same with House and a few of the others. They don't they don't have to play. Um, and I, I guess Ayala and and Gosset have said that. But um, you know to still want to play, I guess you know part of it might be putting yourself in the shop window, but. To, you know, to want to try hard, he's clearly um, impressed um, Neil Warnock this week. Obviously, like you say, some of it might be down to injury. He might have just been second choice, and you know, but we don't know. Um, but nonetheless, he's he's you know he's been in, in, in a defence that's kept a clean sheet, albeit with uh, the defensive mistakes. So, um, yeah. No, that's good. Um, so the next question, um, it leads on quite nicely, really. Um, is about the performance then Alex Chilton's, uh, Chilton said it in and he says um, based on the performance today were the players essentially playing for Woodgate because it was there was the reaction there we, you know it, it was a big big game today and I think when the players have seen the result from the obviously the Luton and Charlton winning that probably added to it as well um, but Dana do you think the players were playing for Woodgate in the end I don't I'm inclined to think that they weren't because we've seen many times this season them letting him down, most notably Marvin Johnson at Hull when we pretty much threw the game away. And there's been instances where you could argue, you know, are these players actually buying into Woodgate's style of plays, management? And I was thinking the other day, obviously Woodgate has been around Borough and has been around some of these players. In fact, the majority of these players as a coach where it's a little bit more pally and I think that dynamic switch is obviously diff- difficult to get accustomed to. I know there's many stories that's come out about uh, Gareth Southgate, for example, when he made the switch from from captain and player to a manager. So that's obviously always going to be an issue. And particularly that Swansea game, I was thinking these players are definitely not buying into it. They're definitely not playing for him. And the massive change, the the contrast between the Swansea game and this game was was night and day, and I think you do have to question it. I think they've yeah. started to sort of lose belief, and and even if it's a kind of a subconscious loss of belief, it's still mm. enough to result in the performance that we got last week. You know, all of them will probably come out and say, and and you know, it probably will be the truth that they they were a hundred percent behind Woodgate, but at the same time. You know, the, the, every time they stepped out on the pitch, it was probably like, oh, you know, if we get beat again today, it's, it's going to be absolute, it's going to be absolutely pelters. Or, you know, if we go one nil down, I, I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to have to do to change it because they haven't been given maybe a plan B or given a different sort of tactical instruction. Whereas, um, you know, all of that this week, we're Warnock will have been like, look, this is the the first thing of what we're going to do. Um, if things go wrong through a you know an individual error or mistake, this is what we're going to do to get back into the game. Um, so I think it kind of reinstills that belief into the players. If you were listening to the game today, or you were, you were watching it with the the BBC uh, BBC TV's commentary, 
Um, Julian and Madison, the both mentioned about Woodgate, and Woodgate apparently was watching the match today. And if you're Jonathan Woodgate and you're sat at home now, um, appreciate he is a Borough fan, but do you ever do you think he's questioning player loyalty there and say, well, why didn't you put in this performance for me? I, I guess you would if you if you would get, but at the same time, it's it's his job to um, notice that during his tenure um, and then fix it. Um, I'm not kind of sitting here and saying that management's easy because it's probably ridiculously hard, um, especially in you know second tier of professional English football. Um, but no, I, I think. Um, He'd have to maybe take an outside look at it and say, look, um, Neil Warnock's got another 30-odd year um, coaching experience on me. Um, and, you know, it, it, it could have still, like you say, it could have still went a different result today and then it kind of changes the whole outlook on things. If, if Stoke could have scored those chances, it could have been two all. Um, and you maybe think, well, um, you know, maybe the players weren't that good. But obviously the result turned out to be 2-0. Um, so I, I think it's one of them. I, I do kind of feel sorry for him because, like you say, it's one of them. He's a Borough fan, um, but I, I think I think for me, he's got to kind of just accept that's what it was. He 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 failed at, at the role he had essentially. Mm. Dan, do you think that Woodgate's main problem he had at Middlesbrough was that was that jump up to management? Obviously, being the assistant coach and and having that relationship with the players and moving into management. Do you think that was probably one of the main issues he had um, with with the squad in general? Or do you think it's more or less of the aspect of, well, we weren't picking up performances, we weren't getting wins when we needed to, then is that why the players started to change? It could be a, a confidence thing there, but... I think, like we said last week after his departure, there was many, many issues of Woodgate's um, tenure at the club. And I fully believe that that switch and that change from being a player and a slash a coach to a manager definitely was because we all know what p- player power is like and, and how big it is in, in the modern day game. And I, I just feel as though they never really looked like they were playing for him. And... Like they were really believing in his style of playing, his philosophy. So I think that is definitely one of one of the issues. But you could literally detail so many issues of of his time at the club, and Warnock now is essentially just stripping it back to its basics. Like we mentioned last week, Woodgate was overcomplicating things. Today we we didn't overcomplicate things. We just did what we needed to do and did the job very well. Well, it's, it's interesting you say bringing things back to basics because I've seen a tweet from, from Curtis Woodhouse earlier in the week and he said, it's crazy Neil Warn- It's crazy to play under Neil Warnock. And the reason, re- the reason why it's so crazy is he brings things back to basics, but you just seem to win every week. And it's, it's, it's the reality, is it? It, it did look like Woodgate was overcompensating things and it's frust- I bet it's really frustrating for him uh, probably sitting there now and wondering why players aren't a player putting the performances now rather than the were last week because last week needed a massive, massive win and we just didn't get it. It was probably the worst performance we've seen this season. Um, but it was also the sure? last <laughs> Do you remember that Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday game? Well, it's up there. I think all I think this I think, season's yeah. had this season's had so many bad performances 
and we haven't had just bad performances this season it's been the season before and I think it's really been a domino effect and I think I was saying on the second tier pod um, when I appeared on there was this has been happening for about three or four years now and we do need a massive change and obviously we've won today but that, that, that's just a little small milestone in a big journey that Borough have to play in the next three, four, five seasons and I think Warnock's a, a good short-term appointment for now, good for eight games but after those eight games can we keep him and to an extent of can he move to director of football or can he help the next coach that comes in um, to ensure that they have a good handover and can essentially t- start taking the club forward again. But taking the club forward, we're not going to be doing it with Rudy Gestead. Um, so Borough announced today that Rudy has decided that he's not, he's going to let his contract expire and he's now a free agent with Danny Ayala. Now, we do know this is more of a, an injury Conversation. He didn't want to get injured and, and scupper his next move. Something that Lyle Taylor's done at Charlton. Um, but a deal that has really, if you put it in all the numbers together, a deal that could have cost Millsborough up to £13 million based on wages and transfer fees. 20 starts, 6 goals. Why, Els, and I know he's your favourite player, but why did it not work out for Rudy Gestead? Um... I can give you, can give you a few favorite. words. Yeah, I can give you a few words and just say it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is the ultimate answer. Uh, I think if you're trying to sign someone like Rudy Gusted, and I think it's an absolutely terrible purchase for the Premier League um, when we got him, um, you have to try and play to his strengths. And during this period whilst he's been here, we've had, what? four, five managers um, that, you know, have all tried to play varying different styles. Um, And, you know, he's got to be the focal point or at least uh, work in a two like he did with Jordan Rhodes. Probably at the time when he was at Blackburn, I I, I can't remember who was in charge of Blackburn at at that time, but um, whether they'd inherited Gusted or whether they bought him out, I'm not too sure as well. Um, But they used him effectively um, and in all the times that we've had him, we haven't used him effectively. And if you're, if you're not going to, then he's ultimately... He's, he's not a very good footballer in general. Um, he's good at... You know, he has his strengths, don't get me wrong. And, and there's some, some people that um, they offer different parts to the game. Uh, and obviously, if you're asking him to do things that he's not very good at, then ultimately it's going to end up like this in a situation where... What was it you said? Six goals, was it? Um, uh, yeah, it was six six goals um, from twenty starts over a three and a half year period, and yeah. the figure was uh, and, thirteen million based yeah. on and, and, you think, and stuff like that. And you think that you know that money could have been best placed spent on anything um, on the squad, and now we've lost him um, on a free. And you know, business wise on the club, it, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, it's not great. <laughs> looking at it um, and there's not many times we do make a profit on players um, but like I say if that was you know if that was potentially um, a different player uh, we signed him maybe they were 22 23 um, maybe last season we could have let them go and we could have got a couple of million back um, but instead you know we couldn't even shift him on a transfer last summer um, so let me this was the only way really to to part ways um, he has been the poster boy of Borough's shoddy recruitment over the last few years. I mean, how mm. he's been here since 2017 is is beyond me. And to be honest, the only reason that I can put that down to is because 
nobody else wants him. Nobody else wants him either in terms of his ability or his wages. Because I imagine he's one of Borough's highest earners, or was until yeah, he left. He, he, he was Borough's highest earner at the club, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is ridiculous in itself for somebody who has only had one good season in his career, and that was effectively <laughs> off uh, John Rhodes. So, I mean, I, I truly believe that Rudy just said is the worst signing that Borough have ever made. I don't even <laughs> think that Lee Dong-Gook comes anywhere close to Rudy just I said. don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say he's, he's I, the I would worst put that out there. Time. I would put um, that out there. For, I'm, I'm for half inclined to agree. Um, he, he did. I mean, he did win a poll um, on Twitter for that um, <laughs> a few a few months back as sort of lockdown started um, for that. And I, I think I probably have to give you just because when you when you take into account the transfer fee and wages, um, and at the time of the timing of when it happened, um, you know, we needed in that transfer window. Um, in January in the Premier League, we needed an attacking midfielder who could play either central, left or right. We replaced two forwards with two other forwards who were slightly worse. Um, and we signed a, a central midfielder when we had loads of them. Um, <laughs> you know, for a combined, I'm just looking here now, Rudiger said 6.39 million, Patrick Bamford 6.21 million and Adelaine Guerriora 4.68 million. So for 16 million, on those three, um, and fair enough. I think we made we made a profit on Bamford, but Gediara free and Gusted free. <laughs> it's awful. Um, yeah, Absolutely laughable. Awful. Don't don't forget the rest of the signs as well. We've we've spent over ninety million pound over four seasons, and we've well, if you look at it, we've I think we're at a six million pound loss altogether um from January 2016 or t- January 2017 to now I think we're at a 6 million pound loss from what we, the players we've brought in and and we've done some big selling as well like obviously with Darun uh Gibson Adama obviously they're yeah. the main three but then the rest of them have been pretty much like free transfers and we're literally giving them away but I don't think we can to be honest it's just pretty bad but and in terms of in terms of Rudy and I know it's probably an easy question for you to answer but he is not really surprised we've let him go because there there was a, a small rumor going around that Borough were set to offer him a new deal for on a much reduced contract obviously basis. I think it was more of a pay-as-you-play deal. Um, but are you surprised that he, he's gone? Not at all, really. No, not really. I think there was something that came out a couple of a week or so ago that said that he had signed that contract extension that enables him to play until the end of July. Obviously that wasn't true, but I was thinking at the time and I was going to tweet this and I'm glad that I didn't, but I was going to say, well, good on Rudy for doing that because nobody would have expected him to. Like I said, glad I didn't tweet that because obviously he's, you know, he's not, and I'm not really surprised. I mean, he, let's be honest, he's not really had a particularly good love affair with the club and with the fans. So he was always going to leave and, whether Neil Warner would have got a tune out of him or not, I'm not sure. But if many managers have tried and just haven't, then what's the point? <laughs> what's the point, yeah. really? May as I'm, well just I'm, say goodbye. I'm just looking on a transfer market here at, at Rudy Gestead. And um, for in the time period of when he was at Villa and, and when he first joined Borough, obviously that's when, I guess you would say, peak of his career, 25 to 28. Um, so we signed, him on, we signed him on the sort of back end of that. Um, so his market value was around 6.3 million and during that time 
Um, it went down 5.4, 4.5, 2.7, and now it's currently sitting at 720,000. <laughs> so <laughs> so he's, he's declined a fair bit, shall we say. Um, but yeah, that's um, obviously going to happen um, as you know, injuries, um, not many sort of good performances, and uh, he, you know, he's 31 now, so um, you know, I'm not really surprised that we've we've sort of parted ways. Well, did you see, did you hear what Neil Warnock said? Because obviously there was that uh. picture that came out this this week of them two talking and some people were like, oh, I wonder what they're talking about and it, it became a little bit of a of a laugh and um, he basically told him to clear off. <laughs> he said that uh, Rudy, obviously you mentioned um, just then, Johnny, that he, he didn't want to risk an injury and then Neil Warnock said, well, you know, leave. <laughs> It'd be great if that was actually on, like in that picture as well. If if at that moment Warnock was just saying, "Right, pack your stuff up, get going now," but they they kind of look like they're not happy, but they kind of look like they're talking about something like um, that, not like that you would expect. But um, it'd be brilliant if that was the case. That must have actually been the moment where, like, that conversation where he he told him that to go home I mean it was a little bit more respectful uh, than that of course but um... Warnock get your stuff I'll open your boot <laughs> see you later <laughs> Rudy goes thanks for speak. coming bye <laughs> but no I mean I, I think that that was needed though to be honest um, if a player isn't committed for whatever reason then you know they need to they need to leave well that's it that's it you, you want commitment uh, from, from every player now until the end of the season obviously or are in discussions with a couple of players to try and sign new deals um, before July. Really, we we have to get we have to get these over the line um, to ensure that the squad's still quite, you know, not not too thin on the ground. We've still got some games to play, some big games as well. I think the whole one we're going to come on to now is is, is absolutely massive. And um, they drew three all today uh, today at Birmingham, and they were two and up at one point as well. And they've, they've managed to throw the game away a little bit, which shows that mental fertility and about fertility, sorry, and, but also the the aspect of well, they're going to be really struggling and toward to the end of the season. But with the winter day, uh, guys, obviously the two 0 the two 0 wins absolutely massive for us. Uh, like we keep mentioning, and um, it's of course it's only one win. You know, we could probably get we get steamrolled by Hull on Thursday night and we'll be all back to square one again. Um, but let's move on to Hull, guys. I know that you've done your little your little small bits of research, so I'm going to pass the mic over to you guys and we'll uh, we'll chat about Hull in, in a second. You wanna you wanna go first turn and yeah sure I was just looking into their their top scorers and funnily enough the top two have since left the club obviously Jared Bowen and, and Kamal Grzycki. Uh Bowen was on sixteen he left the club in uh, January for for West Ham and then Kamal Grzycki had six um, left for wasn't it West Brom. Yeah. yeah, West Brom. And then after that, it's Tommy Eves on five, Josh uh, McGuinness, who scored today on four. So I don't know whether that takes him to five as well. Um, and then Malik Wilkes, who I remember at one point was linked with, with us. Um, I do believe he was on loan from, from Le- uh, Leeds to Acker and Stanley. I don't know whether he's um, with Hull on a permanent. But yeah, their top assisters, again two of them have left the club, the, the same two that topped the goal-scoring charts, Bowen and, and Grzycki. 
And uh, I was looking into their defence because, funnily enough, my dad mentioned it when they were 2-0 two, two up uh, against Birmingham that, you know, they have a bad defence and, and that score won't stay the same. Uh, they're actually the second, um, they've got the second worst defence in the league. They've conceded 67 goals, which I believe is just behind Barnsley's. Um, and they showed exactly why today, like you said, through uh, a lead twice against Birmingham today. And they just seem like they're in a, an absolute mess, to be honest. Mm. I was reading an article where the whole Daily Mail have been banned from reporting, um, from going to the stadium and reporting on the games. So, you know, we, we've seen that ourselves with uh, the club banning the Gazette. So I think whenever a club goes down that route, there there are issues um, and Hull are deservedly down there because they've, you know, they've had players that aren't committed and they've had uh, a whole heap of mess off the pitch as well, so it's not going well for Hull at all. Mm, I think I think when we just quickly chat about Hull right now, and you see that the position they're in, the lose of the two best players, they couldn't afford to bring new players in essentially to, or where the chairman didn't want to invest even more. He wants to leave now, and you can really see that they're in massive trouble, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if they finished bottom of the league this year. Um, I think it's just one of those things where when things go wrong, they go terribly wrong. And they're in that that state of a club at the minute, which is quite sad, to be honest. I think um, even though they're not really like a, a football town in the sense, they've done some great things over the last few years. I remember like under Tony Mowbray when Nick Barmy, I think was I think Barmy was a manager at the time. They were starting to really progress. Um, they've been the, obviously the Premier League. I remember Dean Windass scored that absolute worldie in in, well, in the in the playoff final. They got promoted. Phil Brown. They've done some great, some good things. But I think if you're a Hull fan now, you'd be absolutely devastated. But Els, have you got anything that you you want to add to Dana's? Yeah, um, I, I was just kind of looking at the match today, and it was an interesting um, sort of on the statistics of it that both teams obviously finished three all. Both teams only have three shots on target each. Um, <laughs> so, you know, brilliant, brilliant accuracy. Um, and uh, I think Swansea done that to us last week, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think obviously with the way we've seen how we played today, I'm I mean I'm quietly confident that we can um, get another result there because I think even though like you said that they've scored three, so they're a sort of um, their attacking prowess is there. Um, defensively, as Dana mentioned, they're, they're not great. But I think um, with how we're wanting to play, um, you know, kind of get the ball um, long, chase the channels, work very hard, be organised, be well drilled, um, keep your shape. Um, I think will be too big a match um, for Hull, really. Um, and I think what you mentioned there, Johnny, obviously about the, the, the sort of chairman is other than just actually on the pitch, a lot of other things are, are going wrong um, in comparison to Borough. And I'm not saying, you know, we're the greatest club right now because obviously we, we've talked about the um, underlying issues. But at the same time, we don't have a chairman that wants to sell up. We've still got some level of care, at least, um, in the club, whether it's done rightly or wrongly, is there to be argued, but... Um, you know, there's people there who are trying to sort of make it work. Um, whereas, perhaps at Hull, when you lose your two best pl- players, um, you know, the, the the chairman's wanting to sell, and it just kind of seems like everything's falling, um, falling around you, doesn't it? And and he kind of look destined for League One. Um, so, 
yeah, um, it wasn't so anything really um, groundbreaking that I have them, but it's, it's just an interesting point to see how far they've fallen, um, as you've mentioned, because uh, very recently of the Premier League as well. Um, and I think it happens at some clubs. Sometimes the drop is too much of a, a shock, and I mean, pretty much most of the clubs down there. Um, you can see mm. there's us, Hull, Huddersfield, Stoke. Um, yeah, or recently played Premier League. Long, yeah. yeah, yeah, it can take a long time to sort of recover and come back. So, um, you know, obviously from our side, I'm hoping we get a result, um, and I think it's really going to plunge Hull um, into the bottom three because, uh, you know, Luton um, won again today, um, and and as you mentioned, I think last week, I think it was you that mentioned the dinner. Barnsley look like they have a lot of fight in them as well. Um, it's not, it's not looking great for Hull. It's still the yeah. Alums at, at Hull, isn't it? I've I've just had a Alums, look. Yeah. Um, it is, they, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've always been a, a bit disconnected, I would say, from from Hull as a, as a football club. Because obviously there's been issues uh, in the past with them and obviously it's rearing its head at the moment. And I think as soon as a club bans the local paper, it's, it's always going to end up very, very toxic. And... Unfortunately, Hull are paying the price for that. Yeah, I think obviously, um, I think just touching on that, where you mentioned that Els as well, obviously with Hull as well. Um, when you look at the likes of Stoke and Huddersfield as well, I think when you look at their teams on paper as well, you can't believe where they are either. Um, it's just, I think it's been a, a very, very crazy season this year in terms of when you see the relegation teams. Obviously, Stoke have got, I think, got another year of parachute payments left. Um, and obviously they're still they're still forking out a lot of a lot of wages when you look at their side today like Nick Powell, Bruno Zindi, you've got um, James McLean, you've got uh, Butland, their their wage bill must be so big than compared to ours. Um but in terms of Hull, I think they've just got to a point where they give up, even though they were mid table, I think, in January and then just let two of the best players go and just they've probably got nothing left now. Um, but in terms I think, I think that's why sometimes perhaps, you know, not even the the, the big names um, make it in this league and sometimes where complacency of a club creeps in. Um, as we've talked, you know, a lot about recruitment models and different clubs. If you were to look at, say, um, Preston, um, for example, mm-hmm. or Blackburn, um, perhaps even Millwall, um, who are up there as well, their teams on paper, most people will probably say, oh, yeah, it's not as good as Stokes. Um, but that doesn't necessarily... Um, equate the results in the championship, and um, you know you can't just put eleven good players out there on a, on a field. It has to be team cohesion. They have to be very motivated. They have to be working under a good system. Um, and yeah, it does. It, at the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't just come down to wages. I imagine Blackburn's wage bill is, you know, probably shoestring pretty much. Um, and we know sort of Mowbray is, is good at working on sort of small budgets, but. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, Johnny, very crazy season with it all. Yeah. And okay, well, guys, that leaves me on to like, the predictions, uh, lineups, whatever you want to do like that. Um, what do you think, how do you think Borough get on on Thursday night and a, probably a cold, wet, windy night at Hull? Um, what's your score predictions? Well, I might, call me crazy, but I might go 4-2, get a little bit of revenge from that Premier League season. <laughs> <laughs> but But no, if we bring it back to reality, I think... Um, I mean, they can see goals, which is why I wouldn't say that 4-2 is completely out of the question, although it is Borough and we can be um, toothless in front of goal. But 
I think because of Neil Warnock bringing the basics into play again and not overcomplicating things, I'm going to go for a Dave and say 3-1. For a Davey Malt 3 one eh? <laughs> <laughs> Put your bets on. <laughs> oh, I'd, honestly, it would be so good if that happens. I just want him to get 3-1 for once in his life. He's going to get it one day. I can't remember the last time Borough won three one. Was it this year? I know. Maybe. Yeah. Have, we scored, have we scored three in a game? No. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the Luton game. Oh, yeah, yeah three in the sorry. first game. The Luton game. Yeah. Beth Debney lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he was literally two goals away from that three one. Friggin Luton. <laughs> Next time, Vidy Els, what's your score prediction? Um. I'm gonna go with a one nil win um to Borough. Um I could see it possibly being a little bit more, as Dana mentioned there. Um I'm look, just looking at the goals for here. They've scored fifty two and conceded sixty seven, whereas mm-hmm. um we've scored thirty nine and conceded fifty, so we're kind of you know, um, we're not very good um, offensively, and uh, but we're not as bad defensively. So it could end up being something like a you know, a two one, three one. Um but I think we'll just be um, very well drilled, solid, um, and not to do anything too fancy. I, I still think we're we're in and around there, um, and Neil Warnock won't be sort of looking to press it home too much. I think I think we've just got to focus on getting the result. Um, today was good, but we've got to we've got to get more than that really. If we we definitely want to be out of safety, so I think um, one nil. Okay, 1-0, 3-1. And I'm, I'm going to go over win as well. I think we'll win 2-0 on the road. Um, I think we have, to, we have to put in a really good performance. I think we'll work the channels again. And I think we've we just got to try and bring our strengths to the game. And hopefully we'll get the three points. But three wins, guys. I, think I, I can't remember the last time we said three wins in a podcast for a long, long time. And I've gone for 3-1 after saying last week that I'm not any more optimistic. It's, cra- so. it's crazy It's crazy what a win can do anyway and give us confidence as well. But thank you guys um, for joining me on the pod this week. So if you're listening, guys, um, give us five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get found and charted. And leave us a little comment on there. We might even read it out on the podcast. Um, but if you're not following our pages as well, we, uh, we have our first viral tweet. Uh, about Neil Warnock video, which is still doing the rounds now. Um, what was it? Three thousand likes, ten k, three three thousand retweets, ten k likes. So if you haven't seen that, give it a like. It's hilarious. Um, but this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. The Borough have won two 0 at Stoke. The Neil War, the Neil Warnock era starts right now. Up the Borough Breakdown. <laughs>